We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Of course, he's on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Going to talk a little Buckeyes, little Browns. Doug, what's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Let's uh, let's start down in Columbus, where you know things are generally good in the fall, and uh, in the winter we can't say the same because the Buckeye basketball team right now has lost thirteen of their last fourteen games. Chris Holtman's job is sort of maybe in jeopardy. I mean, everybody on campus is kind of wondering. Gene Smith has given him a couple of public, uh, you know, votes of of success here, but. The reality is they've lost 13 of their last 14, and things don't look like they're getting any better. What's your read on Ohio State hoops right now? Yeah, bad. Not acceptable on any level. Like, you know, they're, they're playing four freshmen a lot, but you don't have to fall off a cliff like this just because you're young. They have not worked the transfer portal very well, um, and they're just, they're just overmatched. They've lost their last three games by a combined 65 points. Like, it's, they're not even competing at this point. So, in terms of job status, it would cost them about $20 million to buy him out at this point because they gave him an extension last year. So from the realistic standpoint, I just it's hard to imagine it, even though this season has fallen off a cliff. The only thing I could see, and I've talked about this on our Buckeye Talk podcast, is like a lateral move if he found another job. Um, that I could see. Like, you know what? Good for us. Good for you if you, if you go somewhere else. But otherwise, I think he'll be back next year for what is a top-five recruiting class. You know, these freshmen that are playing now will be a year older, but there's still no part of this that anybody who cares about Ohio State basketball should tolerate. Do you think Chris can get the train on the tracks, and how does he go about doing that? Because it just when you watch this team, as you talked about, it, it, it's painful, and they're not competitive. I don't know that he's the right guy for this job. I don't think he's a bad basketball coach. I just think it's a bad fit. And I I don't even know how I would explain that. It doesn't, you know, he was the coach at Butler previously and succeeded there. You know, you can't, until a guy makes a jump up like this, you don't know this is how it works. You move up the ranks. But I, I just don't know that this is the right place for him. So I, I don't think that, boom, you get in a class next year with three top 50 national recruits and all of a sudden it flips and they're competing at the top of the Big Ten. That's not what I think is going to happen. The idea of giving him that chance, especially with the extension, I, I expect that to happen. You know, and happy to be wrong. Happy to be, you know, coming back a year from now and giving a mea culpa because Ohio State's 14-4 and four in the Big Ten. But I just, I, I don't know that this is going to be the answer and – 
you know, I just think it's possible that Ohio State could get a get a big time higher next. You know, so I just I just think we may look back on this and say it just qu- wasn't quite the right guy in the right spot. Let's uh, switch toward the football side now. I mean, I realize it's the heart of the off season, but this is kind of an intriguing time of year because you got lots of questions about what next year's team is going to look like. And the reality is you've got an awful lot of guys returning that should make you think, gee, this team should be pretty good next year, no matter who's at quarterback. Um, but the quarterback competition really doesn't officially start, I guess, till spring ball. What are your early thoughts? Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, somebody else. Do, do you have any early opinions on who should take the reins? Yeah, so we just finished a 90-minute Buckeye talk that will drop tomorrow all about Kyle McCord. And he's right on track. He's entering his third year of college football. He was a five-star recruit. You look at some of the quarterbacks just ahead of him in his recruiting class, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, guys like that have all started for their team. But Kyle McCord was sitting behind a a two-time Heisman finalist in C.J. Stroud, and this is his time. He's got the size. I think he moves pretty well. He's got the arm, and he's been absorbing this. He committed to Ohio State almost four years ago. He was the second commit in their 2021 recruiting class. He's been committed since April 2019. So it feels like Ohio State fans have known this guy for a long time, but you haven't seen much yet. He had that one start against Akron as a freshman when C.J. Stroud was resting his injured shoulder. But, you know, I think he's the guy. Now, I think Devin Brown will give him competition, but it's year three for Kyle McCord, year two for Devin Brown. And I do think when you look at the skill set, this was a Ryan Day, he picked Kyle McCord. Ryan Day could have tried to recruit any quarterback in the country in that class, maybe outside of Caleb Williams, who is pretty locked into Lincoln Riley. But this is the guy Ryan Day wanted, and he's on track, and I think size, mobility, arm strength, everything, I think he's he has all the skills you want. Doug, I want to ask you about the NIL situation. Uh, I don't think anyone's crying many rivers about the revenues that uh, Ohio State football generates, but there's obviously been a lot out there I mean Ryan Day has hinted at some of it that they don't have or they're not where they feel they need to be to keep pace with the big boys just what is your uh, feeling uh, regarding that do you think that that's something that it, you know Ohio State needs to be concerned about um, you know outside looking in I, I kind of chuckle at that and wonder how that's even possible but as somebody who's around the program and knows that program, it, is that a legit concern? Does the uh, football program have a bit of an NIL shortfall problem? Yeah, it's, it's hard because it's a huge alumni base, right? They have a huge stadium that they fill. They're the driving force of the, of the new Big Ten TV deal. Like you think Ohio State's a wash in money, but like they can't give their money to the players. So you've got to funnel it. You've got to get outside people – and outside businesses to give money. And you think, oh, Columbus is a big city. That's what we thought. Oh, they'd be a good position for an IL. There's some schools that just have deep-pocketed donors, individual people who have given a lot of money and been invested in, hey, I'm going to you know, give millions in NIL. Ohio State really hasn't had an individual donor like that. We have reported this at Cleveland.com that they are getting some ducks in a row. I think they feel like they're going to have a more cohesive plan with the collective, so I do think Ohio State feels like it's getting in a better spot. I don't think we are at the end of the road of what NIL is going to be eventually, but as Ryan Day said that I reported last summer, it's like you've got to keep up in the meantime. 
right? You can't fall behind while it's kind of figuring itself out. So they, they do have some plans with some of the collectives where they feel like they'll have a better way to get people donating in a way that, that is effective. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is sometimes you're just, you're, you're dealing with Miami or Oregon or Texas A&M where, you know, there are individual people who are more willing to give out loads of money. And in the NIL world, that's helpful right now. Brendan Gulick, Daryl Ryder with you on 92.3 The Fan Afternoon Drive. Joined by Cleveland.com's Doug LaMaurice on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Doug, one more on Ohio State, and then we'll, uh, we'll transition to the Browns here. And about a week and a half ago, or maybe two weeks ago now, we had a chance to finally sit down and hear from Ryan Day and all of the uh, full-time assistant coaches on staff, as well as James Laronitis, who's back in the building now, and Mark Pantone, who, for, for folks that don't know, is basically the brainchild behind all of Ohio State's recruiting stuff. Um, sort of a two-pronged question, you know, what do you think the impact of Laronitis being back in the building is going to be, and what did you learn from Mark Pantone when, when he had a sort of annual State of the Buckeyes recruiting? Yeah, so from Pantone, you know, we, again, we've talked about this a lot. They are sort of indicating maybe as they work out this NIL stuff, the result is they go more in-state. They don't spend as much energy nationally if they get an indication that NIL is going to be a driving force in a national commit's decision. So I'll be curious how that shakes itself out. If you look, you know, where Ohio State is now compared to 10 years ago, you know, they're, they're recruiting about half as many Ohio kids. They used to maybe get 10 or 11 Ohio kids in the class. Now maybe it's more like five or six. So if they wind up recruiting more Ohio players, more Midwest players, what does that mean? Does it mean you automatically have a talent drop-off? No, I don't think it has to mean that. I think you can develop. I think you still get the right national guys. But I'm curious how that works itself out. Pantone is indicating maybe more Ohio focus. And then I think James Laurinaitis matters. You know, they have this thing they're talking about of potentially expanding from 10 assistants to a larger number of full-time assistants or an unlimited number of full-time assistants. I've said I'm, I would bet money he'll be the full-time linebackers coach a year from now whether that's because of an expanded staff or a reshuffle that allows Jim Knowles to be the defensive coordinator and Lord Idis will coach linebackers. It's not the only thing they're doing about this, but I think it's a little bit of a reaction to losing to Michigan twice in a row. I think you've got to, you know, reset the rivalry. And so what's the way to do that? I don't know. Maybe go get a guy with four pairs of gold pants who lived it. So that's not the only reason. But I think, to me, and people have disagreed with me on this, that's a nice bonus of having James Laurinaitis in the building. So he, he didn't know if he wanted to coach. He went to Notre Dame. He found out he does want to coach. I think he's going to be at Ohio State for a long time. I think he might be their, their next Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle, for 15 years, was an integral part of Ohio State's success as an assistant. All right, let's uh, move things up. I-71, the big news of the day, dropped uh, first thing this morning. Mike Prefer out as Brown special teams coordinator. Looked like he uh, survived. Uh, ultimately, he did not. So just your thoughts, Doug, on the timing and uh, the fact that Kevin Stefanski's now had to jettison not one but two of his coordinators this offseason. Yeah, I have no idea about the timing. All I know is what Mary Kay Cabot tells me. But, like, if you're going to be accountable, you got to – you got to make a change, right? I, I don't even know how – are you accountable or not? Is there a standard that the Browns are trying to live up to or not? So I think if there is, then you couldn't bring back the defensive coordinator and you couldn't bring back the special teams coordinator because neither of those units performed at a winning level. So kudos to them for doing that. And let's remember this. 
a year from now, if it doesn't go well this season, then apply it to the head coach. Like there's a standard, right? This is there's enough talent here for them to be better than they were, and so you are accountable. You're professional, and I think it would have been a mistake to bring back either Joe Woods or Mike Prefer. So I don't know why it took this long, but to me, this was an obvious move, and I think he could have made it the day after the season like they did with Woods. You know, I'm right there with you, Doug. Uh, I have uh, been saying that the Browns have underachieved the last two years. They've had plenty of talent to win, even with the Deshaun uh, suspension that he served. They they still could have been a better football team uh, than they were. What do you think is is the the missing ingredient? Uh, I talked about this earlier in the show. I feel like when I cover the Guardians, it's just it's a different feel. When I cover the Cavaliers, I get the same feeling from both Tito and JB Bickerstaff. But then you know, being around the Browns, I just don't get that it feeling with Kevin Stefanski. I think he's a really good coach. He can draw stuff up, but I just feel like something's missing. So, what what is your take when you? Uh, I guess your gut feeling when you look at where this Browns organization is at and the missing ingredient uh, that they're searching for. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to pretend I'm not around them, Daryl every day. Like, like you are like Mary Kay is like Dan lobby and Ashley Bastock and people who cover this team. So I'm not going to pretend I have the pulse of the team, but from the outside, it feels like it's a lack of leadership. So you look in this division. I mean, I talk about it all the time. You have two examples to me, and it hasn't been – I get it, Baltimore's not perfect, but when I look at Mike Tomlin and I look at John Harbaugh, I see a leader, I see a culture, I see accountability, I see fire when it's needed, I see discipline when it's needed, and I don't see it in Cleveland. So maybe we'll see it eventually, but to me, when you're bringing in a defensive coordinator and part of the discussion around the coordinator is sort of like an alpha male toughness accountability thing, to, you're already lost to me. That's a head coach thing. So if that's what you're doing, then maybe Jim Schwartz should be the head coach and Kevin Stefanski can be the offensive coordinator. So I think they're searching for something because they know they don't have it. So I think this goes back to Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham. I thought that was mishandled in the moment, and I don't think it had to go down that way. And I think that starts with the guy in charge of the locker room, and that's the head coach. So it doesn't mean that Kevin Stefanski's not going to ever succeed. It doesn't mean he's not ever going to win. I'm not saying he should have been fired this offseason. But I have major questions and doubts about the leadership of the Browns, and I think it's on the line this season. If that doesn't turn itself around, you have to make a change. Great thoughts there on the Browns. Let's wrap with one more thing, uh, Doug, and we go a little further north, where Michigan's defensive coordinator Jesse Minter, according to Mike Garofolo, is among the candidates that the Philadelphia Eagles interviewed for their defensive coordinator spot now that Jonathan Gannon has moved on to uh, take the head coaching job at Arizona. What do you think about Michigan potentially losing its defensive coordinator here this year? So they lost both coordinators last year and made the playoff again. So I thought two years ago when Jim Harbaugh changed, I think seven of his 10 assistants got rid of Don Brown, the defensive coordinator. It was the spark that created this new era in Michigan football. I give Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit for making those changes. And I give his staff a tremendous amount of credit for the new energy and ideas they've brought here they lose josh gaddis they promote sharon moore and matt weiss the offense is still good they lose mike mcdonald they get jesse minter the defense is still good so part of me thinks okay harbaugh's got a system in place they'd have somebody else lined up but i do think 
Minter was an easy replacement for McDonald. They both came up through the Ravens. It was the same style of defense. That made so much sense. I do think it would be a little harder. I'm not sure another D.C. is sitting there waiting for them. But I think Jim Harbaugh's got it rolling right now, and I'm not sure that there's any any one assistant that would derail them. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Doug. Thanks so much for stopping by. And, folks, uh, check out the Buckeye Talk podcast as well. Doug LaMaurice on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Have a great day, Doug. Thanks, guys. That's why we love Doug LaMaurice. Tells you exactly what he thinks. Doug, La- Doug LaMaurice from Cleveland.com uh, says he's got serious doubts about the Cleveland Browns and their leadership right now. I don't know that everybody shares that opinion, but certainly some do, and I get the impression Daryl does because of the uh, the the uh, geriatrics over there, the, the, the animatronics <laughs> over there. I, I can't come up with the right word. The 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 the, the theatrics. Theatrics. There it is. Uh, geriatrics. Where did that come from? <laughs> I realize I'm in my mid forties, but goodness gracious. Oh gosh, I, I have no idea where that came from. Um, you no, know, it just it sounded it sounded very familiar to me for some reason. For some reason, yeah, for some reason. <laughs> Got that gold Buckeye card over there, bud. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Jerry. What Doug said sounded familiar to me. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. No, look, I I thought it was. Uh, I thought I, it, it was, was like re- I heard it somewhere before. <laughs> it. It's a pivotal offseason for the Browns, for sure. They don't have a lot of wiggle room. They've got the pieces in place to get this thing done and turned around now. And to your point, Jackson Jacksonville went from being horrendous to winning a playoff game in one year. Cincinnati, two years ago, went from being a joke to being in the Super Bowl in one year. So that, I mean, literally the NFL is built around parity. You should be able to turn it around quickly. And I don't think the Browns have that far to go. Certainly not as far as they've had in in many many off seasons past. So hopefully this is you know the right change with Jim Schwartz and with whomever the special teams coordinator is going to be. There's a decent chance it sounds like it could be uh, the Indianapolis Colts special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone, who of course was a former Brown. Um, maybe that's the right combination. I don't know. We're still searching for the right perfect combo. It just feels like they're an inch away when you look at the team, but it feels like they're a mile away. Like that that's just and it's despite their best efforts, right? I mean, it yeah. just it, it doesn't matter what they do, it just it never works. That's the thing. And they have good people in charge, but it's not working. And when you're going into your fourth year as a head coach and now you have to jettison two of your coordinators because things aren't getting done the way they need to be done, right? Players aren't playing to the standard that's required to have the success that is expected of them. And these are the moves you have to make. Like, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Doug. Like, it, it, you know, we're sitting here and, and I remember back, during the, the coordinator search, I kept talking about they need leadership. They need somebody that commands instantaneous respect in the locker room. The guy walks in and everyone sits up straight in their chairs and they shut up immediately type of thing. Like, that's what they need. You need somebody that isn't uh, afraid to put Miles Garrett in his place, as great of a player as Miles is. But, but isn't that kind of what Jacksonville tried to do when they brought in Urban? 
Yeah, well, I don't know what they were thinking bringing in Urban because I saw that train wreck coming a mile away. Well, like, that's who Urban Meyer is. He's the drill sergeant. Like, I'm not going to put up with anything that's outrageous. Yeah, that, there's his style of doing that doesn't work in the NFL. And I said that the day they hired him, and I was right. It didn't work. In the, you know, there's a way to be a disciplinarian in the National Football League, and the best coaches do it, right? Uh, but you do it in a way where. Your 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 I guess lack of a better way of putting it people skills right your your people skills are effective enough to where you can be that disciplinarian you can get in a guy's face when you need to uh, you can put your arm around the guy when you need to type of thing right um, and not be have it be acrimonious you, you understand what I'm saying right yeah. you, you and and I it just kind of I don't know it just something feels different about the way the team responds to Kevin Stefanski than, as I've talked about, than when I watch how the Guardians respond to Tito or I watch how the Cavs respond to J.B. Bickerstaff. It's just, it's different. I can't quantify it. I can't explain it. It just, it's a feeling that I get, a perception I have. And, um, you know, that, that to me, like, it's not Kevin Stefanski being up on the whiteboard, drawing up a bunch of fancy stuff for Deshaun Watson. That's not the issue the Browns have. The issue is they are not maximizing their talent. They are not getting the success on the field with the talent that they have that they're capable of. Like, my criticism comes from a place of, you know, it's a good football team. This is, this is not a hot mess. This is not a roster that is devoid of talent. This is, this is a good roster. They got good players. They got all pro players. They got players that are considered amongst their peers to be the best in the game on this roster, okay? And it, and and Kevin Stefanski's chief job isn't to draw up stuff on the whiteboard. That's Alec Van Pelt's job. His job as the head coach is to lead the staff and to lead the team and get the most out of everybody. Delegate where necessary, micromanage where you have to micromanage because that does happen, all right? But like last year, when the defense is falling apart, Dude, you're the head coach. Hey, Alex, need you to handle the offense. I got to get in the room with Joe Woods here with these guys and get this thing straightened out. I don't think that happened last year. And it needed to. You're the head coach. You're not an offensive coordinator. I like Kevin personally. I think the world of him professionally. But the intangibles is an area where I think he comes up short, and Doug talked about that. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully, I can get it right because the reality is in the NFL, man, you're always on thin ice. Results business, and if you don't win games, you don't get a lot of opportunities to to make the to make that right. Yeah, this isn't draft and develop now. Sure. This is they, they are the Cleveland Browns are when they traded for Deshaun Watson, and not to say that they weren't before with with Baker. Don't misunderstand me, okay? Because I really felt like when they when they hired Kevin Stefanski in 2020, I felt like just where they were, they got in the business of winning football games immediately, like. Yeah, sure, you're always tweaking your roster. No such thing as a perfect roster, right? But they immediately jumped in the pool of, we are now in the business of winning football games. We are no longer in the business of collecting salary cap space and draft assets and this, that, and the other. We are in the business of winning today. And they did it for a year. And the business of winning football games has not gone well the last two years for a variety of reasons, right? Well, the excuses are done. They're over. It's a results business, and if Stefanski does not produce the results this fall, 
it's going to be a real tough sell to a fan base that everything's hunky-dory and on the right path, and Kevin's the guy to lead you to the promised land. That's my point. Hey, we mentioned it in uh, toward the end of Doug's interview that uh, Michigan defensive coordinator Jesse Minter is interviewing for the Eagles defensive coordinator job, but Mike Garofolo also reported one other guy that I think is at least notable because he's semi-local and uh, a bigger name for sure. Uh, the Rams' de- uh, defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator is Chris Shula, who's the grandson of the great Don, Don Shula. Shula. Yep. Um, I actually got to know Chris reasonably well a few years back when he was on the coaching staff at John Carroll locally. He's a Miami, Ohio guy, super, super bright, was only at John Carroll for a year uh, and then moved on to the NFL. He's doing really well. Uh, and he also interviewed for the Eagles defensive coordinator job. So maybe we'll see another Shula that's uh, got a big opportunity in the NFL coming up. Well, here's the thing. like, it, it, Basically, you got to go to St. Ignatius, Mount <laughs> Union, or John Carroll. Seem to be the three places. Those seem to be the three places to <laughs> have tremendous success running an NFL operation, be it as a head coach, an executive, assistant coach. Hey, that's great. Uh, always, you know, certainly, uh, you know, Don Shula's legacy is legendary, uh, will forever uh, be uh, remembered. Um, you, know, you know, Chris coming up the, the ranks, working his way up the ranks. And um, yeah, I mean, it is. He is someone that everyone is watching with great curiosity. Yeah, he's a super bright guy. He So the way it worked, actually, just ironically, over at Carroll, it was Brandon Staley who left for James Madison. <laughs> Shula comes in. Shula gets a job with the Rams. Staley says, ah, you know what? I kind of liked it better in Cleveland than in Virginia. It's like so the NFL came, transfer so portal on the east side Carroll over there. Before Jeez. he got his opportunity. Oh, yeah, it was pretty wild. So anyways, Shula and Nick Sirianni, obviously, the coach in Philadelphia, right. Uh, they were together on the Chargers coaching staff back uh, a few years back, 2015, 2016. And that's kind of how it is. Like, it, sure. you know, it, it's the guys everyone that you remembers. Trust that you come up with. Yeah. I mean, you remember who you work with, where you work for them, and and that, that whole philosophy of, you know, if you go somewhere, you don't, you're not taking people with you thing, doesn't always apply. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.